Many people think that paleo and low-carb diets are very expensive, but that's not necessarily the case, as Caroline Rush has proven. In fact, she was so successful she wrote a book on it called Primal Typewad. Here's her story. Good morning, Caroline, and welcome to the Low Carb Paleo Show. Thank you. How are you? I am well, Mark. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful, thank you. Wonderful. I trust you are both wonderfully well. <laughs> yes. I know I am. I'm sunburned, but I'm fine. You're sunburned? <laughs> yeah, I went to the coast for Memorial Day, which is, you may remember, it's a long weekend here in America. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, and my my wet skin got burned, but <laughs> I'll survive. I'll survive. So, Caroline, uh, our common friend Noah Get Goodass, I always have a hard time pronouncing. Suggest so we have a chat with you, and here you are. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Yeah, I was very happy that she connected us, and she uh, is actually the reason why I wrote the book. Um, my book. Primal Tightwad, um, because she has, of course, for years embraced the paleo primal ancestral diet. And she says one of the questions she gets most often is, or questions slash comments is, well, I sure would like to eat that way, but oh, it's so expensive. And oh, I just can't. And they, they quit before they even start. And she literally pleaded with me, will you please write a book? And yeah. well, everybody knows all that stuff about how to save money and groceries. And she said, no, they don't. Because as lifelong tightwads, we know that what we learn from our mothers and grandmothers is hardwired. And it's easy to assume that, well, everyone was raised this way, right? Everyone's parents lived through the depression or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, um, I guess it took for me to take a step back and... Um, just start emptying the contents of my brain onto a Word document and, and realize, oh, I, I do know a lot. You know, mm -hmm. when you start writing it down, you realize, huh, okay, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of information to get across. And uh, right. yeah, so. So by the way, I saw Nora at uh, Paleo FX 2017 Yay. and told her you were gonna be on the show. She was excited. Yeah, well, she's so inspiring and, and uh, Reading her books always gets me re, reinvigorated to, uh, to eat well and, and reward myself with, with healthy food. And yeah, she's great. She's a great spokesperson for this. Whole yes, thing. she is. She is. Um, so it's safe to assume you are the, you're following the, the paleo diet, right? Oh, very much so. Even more the, the primal diet as Nora describes it so I don't, I know a lot of paleo people will eat maple syrup or honey or sweet potatoes or things like that. And I don't, I don't do it. Right. right. So, but you also used to be vegetarian. So how did you transition from that to paleo? It was pretty gradual. I had been a vegetarian since the eighties really. And um, I would say in around 2000, Nora uh, showed me the book Native Nutrition, I forget the author, and it, it had such a compelling argument for animal products that at the time, being a vegetarian, I thought, well, I will eat fish occasionally. Like, he, he made a good case for, for at least fish and fish oil. So 
till about say oh 2009 or 10 i was a i get pescatarian a vegetarian Mm -hmm. who eats fish and then when nora's first book primal body primal mind came out with the first edition uh, of course i read that and was reminded of the ancestral the the western price research and and thought okay well maybe i'll cut out grains so i cut out grains and after about you know a year i thought well i better cut out beans because she said well really beans and legumes have a lot of these other uh, alkaloids and leptins lectins i forget so then i cut out beans and uh so I was doing mostly dairy and eggs and fish, trying so hard to be paleo primal. And then I took a Cyrex blood test and it determined that I had a off the chart sensitivity to eggs and mm. also casein sensitivity. So there goes my eggs and dairy. And yeah. I, I had, I won't say I was forced to, but I, I really didn't have a lot of options. I certainly, as a tightwad, could not live on fish unless I was, raising them in the backyard. So I uh, got some ground turkey and made myself a turkey burger. And it was surprisingly not traumatic. I thought as a vegetarian of, I don't even know how, 20, more than 20 years, that I would be disgusted or sad or, um, I, I don't know. It just, but it tasted really good. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so you didn't feel like a traitor to your cause? No, not at all. And that, that was the biggest surprise to me, like how un, what a non-event it was. I, I assumed it would be this, dun, 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 you are now a meat eater. It's more like, hmm. oh, well, that was, that was good. And I'll have another one later. And that, that was it. So it was a very gradual cutting out the grains and beans, but then making the shift from dairy eggs to exclusively meat and fish um, was in a day, literally, because I got the test results back and all right, well, that's it then. So, Do you have a, a, a healthy source of turkey uh, where, you come, where you are? I do. There's, I'm really lucky. There's a farm about 45 minutes from here and to the south that has sustainable, free-range happy groovy turkeys and um mm. they sell a pound for uh $1.89 of ground turkey wow so, that's a good price great price so that's mm. why i'm a turkey burger turkitarian mm-hmm. uh, tur- um yeah i've got my freezer in the basement fill i drive down there about three or four times a year mm. so, you know it's, it's a bit of a drive um so i just buy several months worth and Pick some up for family members too, and have created dozens of spice combinations for turkey burgers. Right. So it's never the same two days in a row, or even mm. I can go probably a month and not repeat the same flavor profile. So. Right. Do I get the feeling you don't eat a lot of beef? Is that because it's too expensive? Yeah. Even the stuff that it can get on sale. Um, if it's around five or six dollars a pound, that's still over a dollar a serving, dollar twenty-five right. a serving. Which I try and keep my servings of meat, protein, to a dollar or less. So anything that's over a dollar, 
it makes me nervous but i'll treat myself once in a while to beef um things like lamb are very expensive here anyway um i like to travel um my boyfriend is generous to uh, generous enough to subsidize some european travel and when we go to the balkans like in albania macedonia kosovo um, lamb is very reasonable mm. i eat a lot of lamb when i'm in the balkans um, but in the Twin Cities, it's upwards of $10 a pound for the good wow. pasture. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So which is, which is worth it when you can afford it, but then, uh, you know, it's difficult otherwise. Um, so, you wrote a book. I believe it's an ebook, right? Is it, or is it? Um, yeah, it's exclusively an ebook. Okay. Okay. Called uh, Primal Tightwad. Primal Tightwad. Uh, Tight what? Yeah. Uh, maximizing your health on a minimal budget is the subtitle of it. Okay. Okay. And so, Nora gave you this idea, right? Or she yeah. begged you to write the book, right? Can you tell? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. No, that's it. She. Uh, I had never written a book before, and she said, "Just, just write what you know. Just tell people what." what uh, what's in your head and, and and i did and and the more i wrote the more ideas i got and i take i get up pretty early in the morning and i take a walk and so i i started taking a notebook with me because what would happen is i would get up and start writing on the computer and then i go out for my walk and as i was walking oh i need to talk about this and oh i need to talk about that so i'd write all these things down and then get them on the computer and and so I could advise anyone who's trying any kind of creative pursuit or of writing is that just start because you're, you'd be surprised how much comes out once you start it, mm -hmm. you know, it begets, I don't know what the phrase would be, but output begets output and uh, just kind of a chain, chain of uh, thought, train of thought. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ignition. I know the feeling uh, uh, a good friend of mine, I had this idea about writing a book, but I've never written anything in my life. And so I was very hesitant. Plus English is my second language. Right. Uh, but a good friend of mine, you know, supported me in that. And she said, just get started and see what happens. Yep. And then uh, seven books later, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still doing it. So. I, I, I know how it feels, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with you. Um, so, on, uh, you know, you knew I was going to ask you, do you have uh, tips that you'd like to share? Sure. Well, um, I guess the biggest tip would be to, uh, to, to simplify and not put a lot of pressure on yourself to create. And this may be counter to your own life's mission, but uh, don't put yourself under a lot of pressure to create incredible meals three times a day um i just think a simple approach and and when you're when you're dealing with quality ingredients like pasture-raised meats and locally grown vegetables in season you don't need to do much to them right just get out of the way of their flavors and just add the delicious fats yeah. cook to taste and you know, you don't have to get super fancy. And I think that's another thing that discourages people. They think, oh, well, I'm not very good, very good with recipes or I don't have time. And, um, and 
I would say, well, then don't make things that take a lot of time. Turkey burgers mm -hmm. take six minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. And while they're, while they're cooking, you can prepare a salad on, on the side or something simple like this. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, the tips, boy, so many tips. One tip would be also that, you know, get, get used to the idea that there's no one source for cheap food. And that's unfortunate. It would, I would love to be able to tell the world, here's where you buy cheap food, the end. But mm. unfortunately, it does require a little bit of uh, effort at the beginning to keep track of what your frequent flyers are in your kitchen, what you use most of, and uh, then just start looking around at different places, um, grocery stores, farmer's markets, whatever uh, and ask people ask the people in your world because there may be something you don't even know about right. like the turkey farm uh, a co-worker of mine she knew I was into uh, cheap food and she said hey have you been to Ferndale Market and, no where's that it's, well of course I've never been there it's 45 minutes south of me um, but to keep track of the best prices of the foods that you eat the most and then just buy them there. And it might mean shopping at three, four, five different places or stocking up a few times a year at the places that are farther away. Um, and don't worry too much about the little things. If it's something like, uh, if you only buy mustard twice a year, don't sweat it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you eat broccoli every day, then do sweat it and find the best price for broccoli. Um, so do you use uh, coupons or do you, um, I know that uh, a lot of grocery stores, they have lost leaders and they get you in and then you buy the more expensive thing because they do their best to do that. So do you go for lost leaders only and then walk out? That's correct. Okay. No shame. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'll, I'll buy the lost leaders. Um, and that's another reason why it's a good idea to keep a record of prices of different foods because sometimes things will be on a display you know you go for the for the cheap loss leader and then you turn to the right and say oh wow what's this and big big sale blowout and you realize if you have that on on a on record like wait a minute that's not any cheaper than the everyday price at body blah store mm -hmm. So it, it, uh, that helps, but I don't use coupons because the brands that have coupons tend to be processed foods. Yeah. I eat are not, you know, I might have a, a coupon for paper towels or Kleenex or something like that, um, or maybe mustard, um, but I don't eat a lot of processed foods and, and Clipping coupons also, those brands tend to be the, the ones that are more expensive anyway. Hmm. And usually cheaper to buy a store brand than to buy a name brand with a coupon. Unless it's double coupon day or some. Right, right. Go like that. Right. Um, uh, here, uh, here in Austin, we have a store that does something interesting. It's uh, once in a while, not, not regularly, but if you buy over $50, then they give you $10 back, but you hey. get a $10 discount, no matter what you buy. That's so great. you have to present the coupon and, you know, give it to the register. So, but it happens um, probably when they, they want to push for sales, you know, to, to buy more than the minimum. 
because some right. people i i do my shopping only once a week and i don't um i don't go to shop low price specifically mm-hmm. but i do pay attention if i see a sale on the product then i'll grab a, a few more than i would and then i'll and i'm set for a few weeks uh, otherwise, I keep doing my regular shopping like, like that. So that leads me to another question is, do you go to large, uh, like superstore, like uh, Walmart or Costco to do your, your shopping as well? I don't. Only because, well, Walmart because of uh, ideological differences. But uh, Costco, it's because I live alone and I don't need sometimes to have huge, you know, uh, uh, 144 packets of seaweed or, um, and also, of course, my boyfriend and I would ride our bikes to Costco and we realized pretty quickly that there's not much that you can buy at Costco that fits on a bike rack, but um, yeah, it didn't make sense for a single household. And even the two of us, he, uh, he lives across the alley from me. Um, Even, sharing a membership i don't think we recouped our expense maybe on coconut oil they mm-hmm. they have a pretty good price on coconut oil but you got to pay 50 dollars to to join yeah. it was kind of a, a bust but for someone who has a huge household either big family or a lot of roommates it yeah. doesn't sense because there are a lot of staples that you can save a lot a lot a lot mm-hmm. Things like right. oil and balsamic vinegar and uh, aforementioned seaweed. Or um, mm-hmm. Although the other caveat I would share about warehouse stores is that sometimes having five pounds of pine nuts in the pantry leads you to use more pine nuts than you would have had you only bought a three-ounce packet. So right. sometimes, again, you're not really saving money because you're using more because that it's nice to feel abundance it's nice to right. feel that i can have all the pecans i want because i've got six more pounds in the freezer um i i definitely used a lot more nuts when i was buying them and got at costco and uh it was probably not a great idea um but you know that having said that if you can be disciplined more disciplined than me mm-hmm. then <laughs> by all means Join, join a warehouse club. Right. So do you, uh, do you set a budget and you go by it no matter what? You, you never go over? And can you give us an idea? Like, I know it's difficult because there's so many different size family, or, you know, and, and typically as a single person, you tend to eat per person a little more expensive because, I don't know, you tell me, you're the expert. Well... <laughs> I mean, some sometimes when you can buy a larger quantity, the larger sizes are cheaper per ounce. Not mm-hmm. always. Check the label, check the shelf tag, because sometimes the larger size costs more per ounce. But um, okay, what was the question? <laughs> um, oh, how much? How much do I budget? I don't really budget. I have. I buy what I need. I stock up on things when they're on sale. Um, take advantage of seasonal deals, mm-hmm. uh, but it, I keep track of every penny I spend and I've done this for 20, oh boy, 22 years now. 
my food bill is very consistent from year to year. It's always around $7 a day. Mm -hmm. um, so $220, $210 a month. Some months are a lot more expensive. For example, the months where I go to the turkey farm, of course, mm -hmm. they're going to be higher. Um, and some months are much cheaper, like, say, coming up in June when the kale in my backyard starts coming up. And in August, when I've got green beans coming up in the garden, so I will have maybe a whole week where everything I eat vegetable-wise is from my own garden. So that mm -hmm. month I only spend a hundred dollars, but uh, the other um, the other months are usually yeah closer to two something. And then sometimes they're closer to three, but it's been pretty consistent for since uh, at least on the paleo. Yeah, I would say for at least the past seven years, it's been around that per month, two twenty, we'll say. Um, okay. So I don't set a budget only because of I wouldn't want to limit myself to stocking up on those deals. Like you say, you see something on sale, particularly um, something that keeps, for example, your uh, $50 purchase that get $10 off. Well, that's a great time to stock up on vinegar. Hmm. Tea or non-perishables. You certainly don't right. want fifty dollars worth of cilantro because it's probably not gonna last a week. But so you know, uh, twenty different ways to prepare kale and green beans. Oh sure. I mean, I always <laughs> default to my favorites, but uh, actually, I did. I was thinning out the kale in the garden because you know you need to have few per row. I ended up with over a pound of tiny baby kale. So I steamed it. It was very spaghetti-like. And that's something oh. I never realized before. I'm like, well, the heck with spaghetti squash. Tiny right. baby micro kale. It's, you can twirl it and eat it just like pasta. Nice, nice. Now, uh, speaking of fresh food, um, do you buy at the farmer's market? And how do you buy at the farmer's market? Oh, I definitely, definitely buy food at the farmer's market. I have my couple favorite growers. I've been going there for... Good heavens. Yeah, 25 years. The downtown St. Paul Farmer's Market is great because they have a rule that everything has to be grown within 50 miles of the market. There are some in Minneapolis, they don't have those rules. So you'll see lemons and bananas that I don't think they grow in Minnesota. Not sure. No. Um, but I, I do ride my bike to the farmer's market for the specific reason that I can't eat in one week more than I can carry on my in my two bike bags mm. when I go and everything's in season and everything looks gorgeous I want to buy everything yeah and I get it home and I go on Saturday mornings so here Thursday night Friday morning and I still have six green peppers and two big bunches of Chinese broccoli and I think oh boy here we go um, and I could freeze them, but they're so good fresh. And I, my freezer yeah. space is for the turkey. And also I, I grow raspberries in the backyard. And that's, mm -hmm. I get about 50 quarts a year of raspberries. So wow. take precedence. But uh, I have those favorite growers of mine. One is certified organic. One is not certified, but he, he just hasn't bothered to jump through the hoops, um, mm. the regulatory hoops. But he's yeah. all... Uh, and the cost. No chemicals. Yeah, oh, the cost is, is pretty high. So, yeah, I always take one round through 
the market first to see what's, what everybody's got. And then my second trip through, I'll buy the things. Um, one little tip that I can impart is if you're really on a budget, try not to buy things the very first week they show up because mm -hmm. usually they cost a little bit more. And once the season is in full swing, that those $3 you spent for that is now only going to be a dollar. So right. it might not seem like a lot, but I, I like to, one of my other tips is, um, is to do the math and figure out, okay, big deal. So I save a dollar a week. Well, that's $52 a year. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of money. If you can save a dollar a week on 10 different things, that's $500 a year. Mm -hmm. And that's, two months of free food or, or you right. know, months worth of groceries. So yeah. when things don't seem like a big deal, oh, last week it was $3. I don't want to wait till it to be $2. Like, okay, and maybe you could have the life is short, eat all the Chinese broccoli you want. But uh, if you could just exercise restraint and just trust mm -hmm. that, yes, next week, or even ask them, Will you be here next week? Will you have this next week? If they say, no, no, this is the last week. Well, then, of course, buy it. Um, yeah, uh, delayed, gratifi delayed gratification is a great way to save money, too. Oh, you know. sure is. It and uh, buying season definitely is the uh, cheapest way to buy food. Now, I have a suggestion for you to add to your, to, to add to your bicycle. Yes. Put, a meal, put a meal crate on the, on the right oh. behind your seat. <laughs> see then i'll buy more and then i won't be able to finish it by the yeah but rate. but that leads me to my next uh, point which is uh preserves so do you oh. do preserves do you do canning do you do these kind of things to s because you can buy fresh food in bulk and then you preserve them and then you you set for the winter for example right i have done that in the past um and I know a lot of people have really great results and really get a good uh, get a good rhythm going of buying, buying, processing, processing, canning, canning. Mm -hmm. And of course, the canned stuff does not take up room in the freezer; doesn't use electricity. Mm -hmm. um, I just had to be honest with myself that I didn't <laughs> I didn't eat the things. I had a whole bunch of sauerkraut that I just I I didn't eat it. <laughs> Right. And, uh, yeah, so I know a lot of people do that. And also, you can just get a bigger freezer. And most vegetables condense when you blanch them, and they right. don't take up as much room. But uh, I just had to be very, had a, had, had a frank reckoning with myself that I just didn't like doing it, and I didn't like eating them. <laughs> and I was nervous about food safety with things that didn't have an acidic medium. Mm -hmm. or the salt, because I have a, a salt sensitivity also. Right. A lot of the preserved and fermented foods use an awful lot of salt, and I can't I can't eat that, so. What about making wonderful uh, raspberry preserves with your your fresh raspberries? Oh, well, except that I don't eat sugar. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And I did try making it once, and, and it, it, it keeps for a few weeks in the refrigerator, but that's about it. But... Oh, well, yeah, but I would never want to discourage anyone else from doing it because it is the best way to, to uh, what would you say, consolidate size wise mm -hmm. because you can have big bushels of berries that um, or dehydrating too. Yeah. 
which uses a lot of electricity. But um, yeah. every, every place is different. Every person is different. I guess the key is to know what you are really going to eat, what you're really going to do. Um, if, if a person, I know plenty of people get on a kick and like, I'm going to buy six food dehydrators and I'm going to make my own jerky and I'm going to make my own dried blueberry fruit leather. And um, maybe start with one food dehydrator and see how mm. it goes and, and see if you really do eat those throughout the year. And, and if you do, then yeah, have at it. Keep going. Another way to save money, which is not food, but uh, energy is, uh, you know, if you can set yourself up on a solar, solar power system or the wind, uh, you know, yep. what do you call this? Wind. Uh, yeah, just wind power. Yeah. 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 Actually, I got you... wind powers last, last year. I've had them for a little over a year now. And okay. Good for you. Yeah. And I have an electric car, so I... Uh, Got the whole green loop. <laughs> great for you. Great for you. Um, okay. Any? Uh, oh yes, I wanted to share a tip that, that I use. When I um, when when I go to a farmers market and when I have to have something, then I'll buy it at whatever price. But if I'm disciplined enough, I wait until the end or like thirty minutes before the closing, yes. and I look for deals. Or I, I you know, how do you call it? Um, haggle? Haggle of a price with the farmers because you know they don't want to take it back home. You know, so they want to sell it. They want to. So um, is that something you, you use as well? Um, I used to. Back when I was making, I used to um, make a big batch of tomato soup every year with, I mean, like gallons and gallons of it. And I would usually do that toward the end of the day. They close, they close at one. I usually go about 1230 and say, hmm, how much you want for that? Like, oh, are you sure? And yeah, that's a great way to do it. And especially mm -hmm. if you like to freeze or can or dehydrate, um, everybody wins. The farmer wins, the grower wins because they don't have to haul mm -hmm. it back to the farm right. you win because you get a good price. Um, yeah, it's a great way to do it. And just don't be afraid to haggle. Don't be afraid to uh, to lowball. The worst thing right, is right. no. I, I can only speak for Minnesotans. We're very bad at haggling. We're too polite. Like yeah. we would think it would be an insult to to offer less than half of what the the, the sign says. But right. yeah, you, you you sound like Canadians. Well, we're very near <laughs> Canada. We consider ourselves honorary Canadians okay. here in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes you could get a nice. 30 to sometimes even 50% discount of, uh, of, you know, the price on the, on the label. So um, any other great tips? Mm, probably all kinds of them. Uh, I'll think of some later today at noon. Um, but uh, yeah, just, uh, well, one thing is to you make the use. How can I say this? Make good use of free time when you have it, even if that free time doesn't happen at meal prep time. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if you say, say you work until 6 or 6.30 and you know you're always starving when you get home from work, well, maybe get up 20 minutes early in the morning and get a slow cooker, chop some things, saute some things, get things started. Do, do a little favor for that act, after work self and right. take take advantage of that time. Or if you 
have, if you don't work on weekends, take a Sunday afternoon and do some advanced meal prep, some measuring and chopping and pre-cooking or, or make a whole batch of something, a soup or stew, and then yeah. freeze it. Um, even, even if you have an extra 15 minutes to get something started, this is actually something I discovered by accident. It's my favorite way to make cabbage, which is a braised, I don't even know what you'd call it, a time, time-lapse braise where you cook it for 15 minutes and then shut it off with the lid on it. And then uh, a couple hours later or, or overnight, cook it for another 15 minutes, turn it off for another couple hours. It continues to cook, mm-hmm. um, but it won't overcook. It won't burn, but it creates a really nice um, uh, texture where it's mm-hmm. cooked through and soft and silky, but not mushy. Yeah, yeah. My other favorite way to cook green beans is, is a slow braise. Um, but yeah, if you can do do little things here and there to make something easier for yourself later in mm-hmm. the day or later in the week. Okay. Well, one thing we forgot to mention is all of this necessitates you to cook. So someone needs to be able to cook or to at least have minimum cooking skills to save money. Is yeah. that enough an incentive? The, the problem in this society nowadays is that everything has to be convenient. Right. And, and convenience cost. Yeah. So how do you trade convenience for cooking time? Uh, I mean, that's the whole equation here. For most people, they're now willing to spend time in the kitchen. Right. I guess what that requires is a complete change of mindset to stop thinking of that as wasted time or or. Oh, drudgery or a chore or this other make it part of your life make it part of your socializing you know put put on a headset and talk to a friend on the phone while you're cooking as long as you're paying attention to things like how high the heat is um if you live with other people get everyone in the kitchen and put on some music and, and make it fun and i guess the problem is that compartmentalization of this is my relaxation time this is my productive time like well yeah. You can be productive and do some cooking, and it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. uh, sure. Um, you do have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think people would be surprised at how much they can do if they don't put big pressure on themselves to do something incredible right. every time. Like yeah. I'm sure people would read a, a, see a book title that says French cooking and say, oh. I'll never be able to do that. That's fancy. Right. That's hard. It's like, well, if right. you read it, you'll see that, no, it's more just about elegant simplicity. Than right. And this, and this is what I teach in my, I try to teach in my book is that there are very simple, basic cooking techniques that don't take a lot of expertise. And then yet you will get fantastic results, but you do have to learn those techniques. They don't, have to be complicated i'm not talking about flambe or you know or making souffle but uh once you know the basic techniques all it takes is maybe take a couple of cooking classes to get the the knife skills and then the basic cooking skill and basically after that you're good to go great all you need to do is know how to saute learn what the difference is between simmer and boil and really might just need to go to a friend's house who does know how to cook or Mm -hmm. You know, a family member and say, can I just watch you? Can you show me? I mean, yeah, we can't assume that everybody knows what a saute means or what golden brown looks like. Right. Um, Right. Yeah, 
yeah. So, but it's but it's pretty. Learn what you need to know at the time you need to know it, and and I confess I don't. One of the reasons I don't cook cuts of meat is because if I'm going to splurge and spend two dollars on a portion of lamb or or steak or something, I don't want to wreck it. And because yeah. my formative adult years were spent as a vegetarian, I didn't mm. have years of trial and error and learning and making mistakes. So mm. I just I don't want to wreck anything. So <laughs> so that's why I don't cook steak and lamb chops and things like that. It's like, mm. ah, I know how to make a burger. So I'm going to make burgers. <laughs> I know. So one, one, one thing that um, a lot of people are afraid of is, oh, you know, cooking is so complicated and everything. It doesn't have to be, the food you eat doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to involve difficult complicated, you know, 20 steps recipe. You could cook very healthy, very fresh food, like you said before, uh, when you when you eat, when you use fresh foods, good quality fresh food, the flavor is there. You don't need to do a whole lot to it. Yeah. A little steaming, a little saute, a little broiling, you know, uh, that's all it takes. So, you know, um, or like you say, use the crock pot. That's simple enough. You put all the ingredients to liquid and let it cook all day. Uh, mm -hmm. So for the listeners out there, try not to be scared by techniques. You know, um, find a way to learn the basics and then and have fun with it. Don't don't get all stressed out about it. Yeah, yeah that's very true. And I think also people need to remember that YouTube has got some wonderful videos on it. Sure. That's true. It's, it's available to most people. So you watch two or three videos for maybe five, seven minutes each, and you've seen how, you know, what might sound like a complicated technique can actually be done quite easily. Good point. Yeah, yeah and actually in my book, my book, I have, I don't have, well, I have some recipes, and I have um, what I would call templates, where hmm. you take one food from each column, like this protein, you know, one protein, one vegetable, one sauce, one extra, you know, a little flavor accent and mix and match them however you like. And you could, and someone could do the math and figure out, you know, 10 different proteins, 10 different things. I don't know how many different combinations there are, but enough combinations to keep you from getting bored uh, with your meals. Yeah. Oh, that's the other, this is kind of an off the, out of the oddly angled tip or comment is that sometimes people hear that I eat the same thing every day, you know, turkey burgers and cabbage or whatever. Well, don't you get bored with that? Not only does rotating the seasonings help, but also being a little bit hungry when you eat. And this sounds like the simplest, most obvious thing in the world, but sometimes we don't let ourselves get hungry. And I'm not talking ravenous, delirious, confused, you know, dizzy hungry, but just Stomach growling hungry, because how many times have I heard stories of people describing the best meal they ever had? More often than not, it starts with, well, I was really hungry, dot, mm. dot. And we sometimes eat because of what the clock says, and part this workplace, school, whatever. But if you have a little bit of choice of, of when you can eat, if you let yourself just get a little bit hungry, that everything you eat is going to taste really good. And it doesn't matter how fancy it is. And as yeah. long as you don't let yourself, if you're so hungry that you grab something terrible, 
you know, well, just don't have anything terrible around to grab. That's the other hint. <laughs> don't bring Doritos home if you don't intend to. Uh, and um, another thing I learned in microbiotic class is that um, two things, actually. One of them is that you should not eat more than what you can hold in your hand ah, as okay. volume. You should actually leave the table slightly hungry so that you don't overwhelm your system, your digestive system with too much food because a lot of people, they just like inhale food. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's the other advice is like, no distraction, uh, almost eat food like um, you cannot watch TV and appreciate food at the same time. Right. You have to, you, because you're not showing respect to either one of them. If you're watching a movie and you're eating chips at the same time or something, you eat absent-minded and you end up eating a lot more than you're supposed to because you're not paying attention. And you also don't pay attention to the movie, so you're not respecting the food or, or the movie either way. Um, so no distraction, eat and eat slowly. So your body has time to uh, take in the food and give you the signal, okay, I have had enough. Mm -hmm. Because the problem, and I see that this in this country, uh, is that you have this huge plate of food on your, uh, on your table and then you just swallow it, swallow it, eat it very fast. And before your body can say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's way too much. I don't need more than really half of what you have on the plate. Mm -hmm. So society, uh, actually, let me, not society as in society, but the, I don't know how to pronounce Mark, uh, satiety, you know, when, what is it? Society. Okay, that word. <laughs> I still can't pronounce it. But um, it is a very important signal we should pay attention to. My observation is that in this country, you see a lot of people with big stomachs. Mm -hmm. and, my, and my take on that is that they eat too much, too fast, and eventually it is going to stretch their stomach, you know, to where... You don't see so much of that in Europe. Of course, there are, you know, uh, but that's usually beer. <laughs> yeah. it's not, but uh, not to the extent in this country. And it took me a while to figure it out. And finally, it dawned me. It's just, you know, people eat too much in volume and too fast, and which means that they don't have time to get the signal because your your hormones, there are hormones that will let you give you a signal have had enough. Yep. You know, typically uh, I found that in France, for example, which is which I'm from, from um, people know their limit. Mm -hmm. They know, okay, this that's it, I'm done, enough. I don't need seconds, I don't need thirds, I don't need an extra dessert, I don't... I've had enough. And I'm not seeing much of that in this country. What's your take on that? Oh, absolutely. I see a lot of volume equals quality. Like, hey, did you go to that new place? God, they've seen the portions. They're huge. Well, we have a very limited, um, I don't know what you call it, a saturation point of our taste buds and our texture and, and how long a food tastes good to us. And after so many bites, it then becomes an, as this zombie exercise in, in finishing, like hmm. clean the plate, finish. Whereas in Europe, um, certainly I was in Sicily in March and I 
they have these multi-course meals, which would sound, seems on the menu very indulgent, but when they actually come out with the, the plates, they're very modest and you get just enough to have the, the last bite tastes as good as the first and then you're done versus right. at, you know, Olive Garden. When, since when did the last bite taste as good as the first? It's more like, uh, you just get into this zone of shovel, shovel, shovel. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, I did not notice. I didn't think I saw one obese person in, in all my travels in Sicily, in the Balkans. Um, like you say, it's some kind of chunky, but uh, yeah. but I agree that the you don't really taste the food and and uh, I my own bugaboo was reading while I was eating whatever was on the table I would read and so I managed to get that and then I used to listen to the radio I'd listen to NPR whatever and and I stopped doing that because I realized that I like you say I wasn't doing either of them justice I was just kind of staring off into space and eating and kind of listening and kind of eating and. Like, wait a minute, I've been waiting for hours to eat this delicious meal. Here I turn on the radio and I'm not even fully experiencing it 100%. So now, God help anyone who eats with me. I've got my eyes closed. Sometimes I'm even kind of humming because that brings the uh, the aroma up into this, I forget what it's called, the vomer or this pharyngeonasal something or other where you have yeah. like a third nose back in the back of your throat. Wait, third nose, second nose, sorry. <laughs> I only have one here. Um, but just really, so even saying mm, 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 while you're eating makes the food taste better or it makes you taste more mm. of the food. So I look like a maniac when I'm eating because I've got my eyeing <laughs> and chewing and mm, mm. Like, obviously I don't do this when I'm out at a restaurant. Right. Don't usually do anyway, but uh but it's so, so folks, we have these uh, two tips in one. It's a diet tip and a tight wad tip. That is, okay. if you control the amount of eating, not only you're not going to gain weight and you're going to stay on your diet, but secondly, you'll save money because you eat only half as much food. It's true. It's true. Right. Yep. <laughs> food smells three times as good in Minnesota. That's right. Right. Because they have three noses. We all have three noses. Right. <laughs> Yeah, mine is in the back of my head. <laughs> my third one. Interesting stuff coming from you, Carolyn. Thank you for that. Sure. One thing that sort of strikes me is the fact that you must be um, naturally low carb. Low carb? Yeah, you don't eat a lot of carbs at all. Oh, not at all. The only real carbs I eat uh, in significant amounts are from those raspberries, those free raspberries from the backyard. Um, yeah, because I don't eat dairy anymore. And um, yeah, I have an apple tree also, which um, I'll eat those when they're in season, more, not more than one a day. But yeah, it is. I, I don't calculate my carbs per day because I've looked into how much cabbage has, how many carbs are in cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower. And it, it's so minuscule and the fiber, there's so much fiber that I don't do a daily tally. But yeah, I would say I'm definitely low carb. So, I mean, the question arises for me is, I mean, do you get a lot of your energy then from fat? I do. I love fat. Um, Which fats do you like? Primarily coconut oil, only because it's easy. And now, I, I will name names. Aldi has a great price. I, I don't know. If, they have some Aldis in Europe, of course. Um, but it's for here, the Minnesota ones, is four forty nine for a, 
want to say it's a 14 ounce jar of organic coconut oil. Uh -huh. That's my go-to and olive oil I like. Uh, and uh, I just recently splurged and got some Fatworks uh, buffalo tallow and wild boar lard, <laughs> which I would not say is a tightwad move, but I just, in the interest of research, I decided to try them and they're pretty tasty. But I would only use them as seasoning and not as a cooking medium just because they are, you know, 25 cents a teaspoon, something like that could easily add $1.50 to each meal and that would, that would blow my budget. Um, but yeah, what other fats do I use? That's, that's really good. Uh, yeah, uh, I eat a lot of tahini. Have you had uh, duck fat? Dark fat? Duck, duck. I don't know. Duck. Oh, duck. Oh, duck. duck. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, it is delicious. I, yeah. It's interesting how all these fats are coming back into fashion now. Yeah, well, they're very French, of course. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really funny with the duck fat. I've heard a lot about a lot of restaurants. Their new hip thing is French fries made in duck fat. Yes. And I eat the duck fat. I think, you know, I can almost taste the potato. Like, I don't need the potato. I'm already, it's, it's implied. There's an implied mm. potato in duck fat. So if I cook cauliflower with it, I'm 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 there. Yeah. You did mention sorry. You, you did mention recipes earlier, um, but you don't have that many in your book, I understand. Not a lot. I have some basics like a vinaigrette, which is very important because salad dressings cost a lot of money in in the store, and most of them are made with canola oil. Yeah. And so a good vinaigrette that you can riff on um do i have oh coconut nogurt i call it because some people like to buy uh dairy-free yogurts and they are wicked expensive they're like two dollars for a little cup and um if you are already getting your probiotics from from some other source and all you want is something creamy to eat um there's this stuff called konjac are you familiar with it if you no. just, oh, oh, okay. It's a it's a no carb starch that is used as a thickener, and if you mix it with things like coconut milk, um, it thickens it, and the texture is just like yogurt. And so, just add your own vanilla or stevia or whatever, and it's uh, significantly cheaper uh, than than coconut yogurt. Which coconut yogurt has a lot of good health properties, but if you're lazy like me and think you know. It's not, I'm not going to do that. Or I don't, you know, if it's something that needs to ferment at room temperature, well, as a tightwad, my room temperature in the winter is about 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So <laughs> nothing fermenting in my kitchen. Um, but yeah, so some recipes like that. I think I have a, a wal walnaise, I call it, which is a, a, a mayonnaise-like spread sauce, whatever you want to call it. It's very much like mayonnaise, but it's made with walnuts. Um, that's one of my staples. So I mostly just have recipes for the, the basics, the staples, things that you can use a lot. Not necessarily, I don't have a lot of recipes for a dish. Um, I do have a blog that's, uh, what I think I sent you a link is Primal Tightwad at Blogspot, something, something. That's where I post my recipes for when I do some weird, I, I'm rather what you might call an experimental cook where I have, I get an idea and like, huh, 
I wonder if you could make a chocolate shake with cauliflower. The answer to that is yes. And so <laughs> I'll blog about that or just weird stuff. So this is not a blog of recipes that you'd go to for, I need to bring something to a baby shower or I need to bring something to Thanksgiving. It's more like, huh, what can a weird person do with weird ingredients then tastes really great? Like that's, that's what I do. And I just posted my turkey burger variations um, on my blog. Huh. So the, my 10,000 recipes for turkey burger seasonings. Um, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. don't like to to get too attached to recipes because that's where people get into trouble with saving money or such to say spending too much money is buying every, yeah, 20 ingredients, buying a container of each spice for those ingredients or buying the thing that's going to spoil in the fridge in a week if you don't use the rest of it. Um, so I think to, uh, as I pull it, you know, liberate yourself from the tyranny of recipes and just, just make stuff that tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> so tips for families out there. If you make your children eat turkey burger every day, they're going to hate you. Yep. <laughs> Unless you make them different every time. Right. Yeah, but kids are going to hate you anyway. So go ahead and eat, feed them healthy food. Okay. All right. What about snacks? Do you have any snacks or anything that you recommend? Oh, boy. I'm kind of the snack meister or the uh, <laughs> prime minister of snackistan I've been called. Um, okay. I use a lot of co coconut oil. I make these little things called, I call them hemp cookies, where I'll mix coconut oil and hemp protein and hemp hearts and then maybe uh, cocoa powder or some powdered fenugreek to give it a maple flavor. And I just make a million variations of that. Um, it's also been called cocoa crack. You have to keep the fridge. <laughs> yeah, the, it's, if you don't, how can I say this? You'll eat however much you make. So don't make more than you really think you should eat. But yes, yeah, so just weird combinations of coconut oil and cocoa powder. Um, nuts, I'd like to toast. Sometimes I'll take toasted uh, or raw shredded coconut and toast it with slivered almonds and coconut oil and add a little um, ras al hanout spice blend or Ethiopian Berberi blend and a little stevia and a little salt. So it's like a salty, sweet, spicy, toasted coconut almond. Oh yeah. <laughs> I almost have to watch it. <laughs> I will eat it. Um, what else? My beard is getting soggy. Oh yeah. Um, but mostly um, in the summer, sometimes cucumbers. That's my favorite snack is a fresh cucumber right out of the garden. Just, Skin and all, it, oh, it, what more could you want? Um, but for, I think practical-wise for people who are on the go, as so many people are, um, nuts, nuts are easy, raw almonds. Um, who has the best price on those? Probably Trader Joe's has the best price on those and the better quality. Um, but uh, yeah. I probably do other snacking, but I can't really think. It's always simple. Well, other than my my spicy toasted things, they're usually pretty straightforward. Super, super. Well, you've given us a good amount of information again. Um, where can people get hold of a, your book, uh, be more information about you, and are you on social channels and that sort of thing? Sure. Well, uh, uh, the book is called Primal Tightwad, so the uh, URL is primaltightwad.com. 
And there's the, that's just the one page where you can click on the link to buy the book. And I think I've got a couple recipes on that too. The ones that I couldn't get permission from the author to put in the book, I put on my my primaltightwad.com website. Um, the blog, I believe, is just primaltightwad at blogspot.com. Or if you just Google primal tightwad blog, cauliflower, because <laughs> half my recipes have cauliflower. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm just primal tightwad. And that's the only, I'm kind of a Luddite. I, I've got one social medium and that's Facebook. And I don't post a whole lot. There might be a flurry when I'm on a kick. Mm. And, uh, and then maybe a while. But I only on the on the plus side of that, it means you're not getting something in your newsfeed every single day. Like if it's from me, it means it's relevant and it's interesting and not just content. Like gotta have content, gotta have content. It's like I'll provide content when it's something interesting and useful to me that I think other people would appreciate and, and enjoy. So so yeah, like me on Facebook and I promise I will not clog your in your uh, <laughs> newsfeed. Thank you again, Caroline, for being on the Local Paleo Show and sharing your story and your tips with us. And like we say in Texas, a votre santé, yo. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> it's something they say all the time in Texas. You hear it everywhere. Yeah, well, yes. all the French, the French Texans say it. Oh, yeah. all, all six say it. <laughs> okay.